0: We're calling the sermon this morning, Good News for Mothers. Uh, mothering can be a hard job, right, moms? Any moms here this morning? Right? We've got a few here. Sometimes it's hard. For most of you, it's easy. But for some moms, it's a hard job. It can, it can be a lot of work, uh, and there can be a lot of emotional strain involved. And so uh, what we recognize is that our God is good, that Yes, the world is broken by sin, but God is gracious and he loves us and he sent his son Jesus for us. And so what we want to do this morning is try to apply that good news of who God is, his character, what he's done for us through Christ, apply that to uh, the great task of mothering. Even, uh, even the glory of mothering still requires God's grace. Uh, when I was thinking about how hard it can be for moms sometimes, I was remembering uh, just my own Dear mom, she's here this morning, and someone gave her a bouquet of flowers. And, uh, and I just was remembering when I was little, my mom was really busy. There was a lot on her back. You know, Mary's uh, mothers carry, carry a big load, and uh, there were three of us. I was the youngest, uh, and we were kind of spread out, so it was one of those deals where she had three of us in three different schools, three different sets of activities, uh, a bunch of sports, scouts, clubs, uh, this thing and that thing, you know, she was volunteering for this and volunteering for that and leading this organization and leading that organization. She was cooking for us. She was cleaning. She was trying to teach us about God. She was trying to raise us uh, to know him and to be successful in life and making sure we were doing our homework. And, and when you're a mom with three kids and your kids are in a million different directions, it's, it's busy. You can become frazzled. And there was just this one thing I remember her doing when I was younger that would just be this one little moment for her one little moment of rest that she would find. And I think some people still do this, but there are these things called a beauty salon. Any of you ever done the beauty salon thing, right? So some moms would go there, and that would be kind of like a recharge and refresh time, you know, just a little me time. Um, hardly, Hardly ever had any time to herself, basically never had any time to herself, but this was one moment. And I remember one time going with her. I was about four years old, and Uh, She was doing her thing over there with the special people at the salon, and you know she was under probably under the the brainwashing machine thing that they (laughs) put on you. I never quite understood what all that was about, but I knew it was refreshing for her, and it was just that time of rest, you know, time for her to just finally pause and take a break from all the hard work of being a mom. And I remember uh, getting sick when I was there at the salon with her, and I don't really want to go into details because it's Mother's Day, but the salon had to rip out and replace all their carpet. Um, afterwards, um, and so that one moment of rest—you know what it's like, moms. You, you finally get that break, and then that break is kind of yanked away from you. And, and I think that's what it's like sometimes. For, as moms, it's—it's it's hard. It's hard to ever catch a break. And so I want to carry, or I want to share with you the uh, the uh, good news, the the grace that God has for us in Jesus, and say, you know what? That actually applies to being a mom too, and, and really it applies to all of us. It applies to all relationships. As a matter of fact, I had one young exo leaving saying, you know what, that sermon was really helpful to me because everywhere you would say, Mom, I would just substitute XO in my mind, and it still applied, right? So the good news still applies for you no matter what your role is in life, but we want to think about it through the lens of being a mom this morning. So let's read, it's chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, Paul, the great spiritual, high achieving, religious man, is including himself with everyone else, the rest of mankind, all of us, even mothers, as glorious and saintly as mothers are, all of us as sinful, right? All of us as broken. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. This is the good news. We were dead, but God made us alive. The world is broken, but we have a God who is pursuing us, and as bringing us back to himself through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the good news. The word gospel literally means good news. We find ourselves in a bad situation and God brings good news. He loves us because of his great love for us. He made us alive with Christ. Let me pray for us and we'll look at this further. God, we thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus. And we are amazed that you love us. God, we're amazed at your grace that you made a world with things like flowers. And you made a world with things like mothers that bless us, and we thank you for that. God, I pray for those that struggled today, those that are hurting because they desire to be a mom or they miss one. Maybe they've lost their mom or lost a child. Um, Some maybe who have had uh, hard relationships. God, we pray for your grace, for healing this morning, and we thank you for your grace. We're going to look at this this morning, God, in, in faith, trusting that you are good. Trusting that you love us because you proved that to us through Jesus. and We pray in his name. Amen. Well, as we think about good news for moms, what I was kind of sorting through in my mind is just the kinds of counseling situations I wrestle with as a pastor. I uh, counsel people a lot who struggle with all kinds of different things, and I was trying to boil those down into some basic categories. Um, And I think one of the main things that really a lot of moms struggle with, a lot of moms especially in church who are trying hard, who are giving it their best shot, is what I call mother guilt. So the first thing I want us to talk about is that there is good news for mother guilt. You see, if you're doing your best and you're giving it your all, um, sometimes you're exhausted, right? Because it's never quite enough. There's always more to do. And today also, there's this whole thing of, you know, like Facebook, where you look at another mom who's just run a marathon and homeschooled 15 kids and churned her own butter. And, you know, and you're thinking, do I measure up? You know And we, we have this, this thing where we're, we're trying to you know, add more to the scales. I have a picture here of scales. You're, you're thinking, well, I've, I've got to do this for them and I've got to do this for them and I've got to do that for them. And, and it's, it's just never enough. There's always more to do. And, and the Christian perspective on being good is that none of us measure up. None of us measure up to the glory of God. And so it's, it's bad news, but it's also good news, right? The bad news is, moms, that you're never going to make it. And I'm sorry, I know that, was, that may have been too much bad news for one morning. But the good news is, the good news is, is that God loves you. And, and you make it through him, through his accomplishment for you. And so if, if you're a mom that just has this weight on your back of, there's more to do, there's more to do, I can't stop you're probably thinking, you know what, Dave, if I, if I listen to you and believe that I'm good enough because God loves me and not because of all of my accomplishments as a, as a mom, then I might just quit, right? I mean, you might think that uh, you can't give in to that, right? Like I'm luring you towards something dangerous, saying God loves you, you'll never make it on your own, but trust God's grace, it's enough. And you may be wrestling with that. You may think, no, I need to keep going. Because there's more to do. There's laundry when I get home and there's this and there's that and there's always more to do, right? And what I, what I want to encourage you with is if, if you would give up the burden of guilt, if you would give up the burden of trying to measure up to others and trying to be the perfect mom, if you would accept the grace that God has for you through Jesus that because of what Jesus has done for you, he's seated you in the heavenly realms, he's saved you, he's made you his child, he sees you as delightful and as beautiful because of his grace, as it says in Ephesians 2, because of God's great love for us, if you would trust that good news instead of trusting in your own great mothering, then that would set you free. And that would actually turn you loose to, to be a better mother. I know it seems counterintuitive. I know in your mind you're thinking, no, that would just tell me to give up, right? No, I would just quit. But, but, but this is how it works. It's a supernatural thing that takes place in people's lives as they stop trying to measure up and trying to add their own works to the scale, as they recognize that they can't save themselves by good works, as it says here, look at verse 8, for by by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So let me translate that into mothering. By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own mothering that gets you there. You can't save yourself by mothering can't save yourself by measuring up to everybody else on Facebook or whatever you read in the magazines about being this kind of mom or that kind of mom or educating your kids the right way or teaching your kids the right way or feeding your kids the right way or whatever it may be. God says it's a gift. You measure up the scales are set right because of what Christ has put on the scales for you, not because what you bring to the scales. And when you believe that, when you believe that good news and you rest in that, that's what transforms you. To be a transformative person. That's what transforms you and sets you free to love other people well. You can never you can never fully fulfill that weight because there is always more to do. Right, moms? Am I crazy or do you, do you feel like there's always more to do? do? Do you feel that way? Yeah. There's always more to do. It will never be enough. If that's the goal, you're never going to make it. But if you trust in God's goodness to you that he loves you and he proved that to you by sending his son, Jesus, to to live in your place and to die in your place, if you rest in that, that will actually turn you loose to love your kids even better. It's not, like I said, it's, it's not a trap. It's not going to make you give up. You're not going to just eat bonbons and watch soap operas if you believe it. If, if you really believe that, it's going to change you. It's going to help you to love others. It's also going to help them to know what's the best thing to love in life. You see, the other side of this is is some of you as as moms are struggling with mother guilt, struggling with trying to measure up. But some of you have been loved that way, too. You've been mothered that way. You've been mothered by someone who uh, their whole identity was based on performance. And so for those of you that are struggling with being that kind of mom, I'm encouraging you to, to no longer see yourself as being secure or being okay because of your identity as a mother, but see yourself as being secure and okay because of your identity as a child of God, because of what God's done for you by grace. But some of you, maybe you're not a mom, but you were raised that way, right? You were taught that by your mom. And so even if you're not a mom, you may have carried that into your workplace. You may have carried that into the way that you do your job. You may have uh, lived your life that way as Uh, as a teacher or a doctor or a soldier or whatever it is that you do. You may be living your life under the weight of performance, under the weight of guilt, under the weight of those scales, saying it's never enough. I've got to do more so that I can achieve, so that I can be approved. And this applies to you as well. You need to know that the gospel is the good news is that Jesus was approved for you. Right, if, if you are thinking that you can approve yourself by your work, by being a great mom or by being a great student or a great son or a great daughter, or whatever it is, you're, you're seeking a self-salvation. You're seeking to save yourself by what you can do, by your own works. And he says in Ephesians, it's by grace. It's not your own doing, but it's what God has done for you through Jesus. And, and that's the good news. And that's what will change you so that you can actually love others well so that you can actually fulfill your calling. The difference between religion and faith in Christ is religion says, if I do enough, then I'll be approved, right? But a relationship with Jesus says, I'm approved because of what God has done for me. So now I'm gonna do things, and I just feel free. I can just live life with reckless abandon. I can serve others. I can stop and rest when I need to, and I can work myself to the bone when I want to, but I'm serving God because he loved me first. And it gives you this incredible freedom, the kind of freedom that you see when you read the Gospels and look at Jesus Christ. This incredible boldness, this incredible humility, because he had that perfect relationship with his father. The the next thing I want us to think about is mother absence. A lot of people have been hurt by mother absence. Some of you may be in the midst of repenting from that or trying to get back in the game. Maybe you've been absent. Maybe you've checked out. As a mom, and you're trying to renew, you're trying to uh, get back after it. Uh, maybe you had a mom that wasn't there for you. Either way, in the gospel, we have good news for mother absence. It's kind of hard for us to understand because statistically, it's much more common for dads to check out than moms. That's that's part of why we glorify motherhood so much. Is generally, statistically speaking, moms are the ones that are always there for us. Uh, but sometimes, maybe some of you have had a mom that wasn't there for you. Or maybe as a mom, you weren't there. And it's a hard thing to deal with. The, the guilt can be overwhelming. But again, the gospel is our hope. I have a picture here of a, of a mom walking out with suitcases. It's really hard to find a picture like this, like I said, because we have a lot more examples in pop culture of the man walking out, right? That's, the, that's kind of the picture we have in our mind. And some of you, you may not have really left and walked out, but maybe you've checked out emotionally, right? Maybe you've been self-medicating. Maybe you've been doing other things. Maybe you've been distracting yourself from being a mom. Maybe it's out of a fear of failure. Uh, Maybe it's out of pain because you were abandoned. I I don't know what it is. But again, the gospel, the good news of a God who loves us is the answer to that. Um, Just redoubling your efforts and doing better is not enough, but really trusting that God forgives you and has set you free from your failures, that's what's gonna start you on the path to loving people well. And if you are hurting from a mother that was absent, being able to let go of that bitterness, being able to forgive, will only happen if you understand the the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus tells this parable of the unforgiving servant. I don't know if you remember this parable, but it's the parable where one guy is forgiven millions of dollars, And then he goes to another guy that owes him $100 and won't forgive him. And when the big master finds out, he says, well, you're not really forgiven then. And what Jesus is showing us is that if you really recognize the gravity of the forgiveness that you have through Christ, how great that is, how weighty that is, you won't be able to help but forgive other people. It it follows naturally that we would forgive those that have hurt us with a lesser debt. So some of you are struggling with bitterness, and again, the answer is to look at the good news of a God that loves us. The good news of a God who showed grace to us even though we turned against him, even though we've rebelled against him, even though we've sinned. He has given us grace. He's forgiven us. He's set us free. So if you're a mom that's checked out, if you're a mom that's been absent, the the beginning point is repentance. Not penance, not paying back for your crimes, but repentance. Repent just means turn. Need to start over again. Stop trusting in whatever it is that was distracting you from carrying out your calling and begin trusting in Jesus. Begin trusting in his goodness. As we trust in goodness, no matter what our calling is, God turns us loose to love those that he's put in our life. And then also, if you've been left by someone, if you've been abandoned, you need to start with forgiveness. You need to recognize the forgiveness that you've been given and extend that forgiveness to the ones that have hurt you. Well, the last thing that I want us to look at is good news for mother monasticism. This is a big word. I was trying to think of something that kind of held this, this idea I have. Um, you know, a, a monastic is like a monk or someone who would uh, seek to become holier by separating themselves from others. Um, it's the idea of, of kind of a holiness through isolation. And, and I think because men leave their wives and families so often that there's this backlash, there's this kind of, Um, power talk that we see in the broader culture, where you say, I don't need a man. I can do this on my own, right? And so this is kind of like another form of the self-salvation that the people struggling with mother guilt go through, right? Where you're saying, I can do this on my own. I'm strong enough. I can do it. I don't need anybody else. I can do it on my own. And again, there's this fear that if you give in to the idea that you need help, that you'll just collapse, And so you're afraid to face that, and you just keep going. And you just keep saying, I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. I'm strong. And and I want to challenge you that the good news is that we're not on our own. That's the good news. And I say this as someone who who struggles with that. Often, I'm the kind of person that wants to do things myself. And God's continually teaching me by the gospel to repent of that and to entrust other people to be involved in my life, to ask other people for help. To say, can, can you help me? To say, I need you. That's an important uh, outgrowth of what it means to be a Christian, is to live in community. We, we have a God who shows us that we're not on our own. That we're not by ourselves. The gospel is he came into our broken world to save us. And he teaches us to live in community. And so this is a principle for moms. You, you need help, right? You can't do it on your own. You need other people. Number one, you need God. And so the gospel starts there. You need God's help. You need his supernatural help. You need that supernatural father to be involved in your life and your kids' lives. But also you need other people. If you're, if you're a single mom, my heart goes out to you. My mom was a single mom, and I thank her for involving other people in my life. That She didn't try to just do it on her own, but she asked for help. She helped to find mentors and men to encourage me and to help me to grow. And that was a huge blessing in my life. And I want to encourage you, if you're a single mom, don't, don't try to just do it on your own, but, but seek help. Get your kids in Sunday school. Find godly men that can influence them and can mentor them and can be a good influence on them. Some of those godly men that were influences in my life when I was younger helped us to plant this church, ended up being elders at this church 20 years later. And God continues to use those relationships for good things in my life. I just encourage you to not think that you can do it on your own. The gospel teaches us that we need God and we need other people. We need to live life honestly recognizing that we need other people's help. I have a picture here of a a dad with a son. I think there's, um, because of the widespread failure of men, there's a backlash against manhood. You know, I think in our culture there's this kind of drumbeat that manhood is not needed, that fathers are not needed, because fathers have failed us again and again and again. And the cure is not to say, we don't need them, let's chuck the system, throw it all out. But the cure is to recognize God's goodness to us as our ultimate father, who loves us, who is involved in our life, who does come to save us. And when we recognize that, then men will be rebuilt and women can learn to trust men even when you've been let down, even when you've been hurt, and invite other people into your life. It's really been interesting just this week as I was planning for this. You know, we've had a lot of stuff in the news about the gay marriage debate. And, and I would encourage you, just from a philosophical standpoint, a uh, scholar that's done some really interesting research on this from a Christian perspective is Peter Jones. Uh, there's some audio and interviews you could find on the Resurgence website, um, but you could also just Google. Peter Jones, he's a theologian uh, that was a professor at Westminster Seminary for a while. But he talks about how in the, in the homosexual debate, a lot of it is based on the New Age concept of oneness, uh, that as Christians, we understand this uh, creator-creature distinction. And when you understand that polarity of a creator-creature distinction and our separateness from God, but our need of him, that also makes sense of the concept that we have in traditional marriage of complementary relationships, of two people that are different coming together and loving each other, even though it's painful, even though it's risky, even though hurt happens, but loving each other by God's grace and fruit comes out of that. Uh, but we have a culture at this time that's saying, no, we don't, we don't like that system. We don't like this other thing. And, and we want to kind of rearrange God's design. Now, I, I want to communicate clearly that if, if you struggle uh, with homosexuality specifically, that, that we love you as our neighbor, just like Uh, We love anyone else that struggles with anything else. Uh, I believe that every time we make a choice to do something differently than God's plan for things, we're choosing another form of salvation other than God. We're saying that this is my faith. My faith is in this. I'm putting my identity in this uh, pattern of living. And so I believe that's true of, of anything that we would do that's outside of God's will. It's really interesting too. In Romans 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks about um, the sin of homosexuality and the sin of sexual immorality as well. Um, we would believe as Christians that God's design is for one man and one woman to be together for life, and so we would include you know, everything outside of that design as, as falling short of God's design and God's will for us. But Paul talks about that and talks about the sin of homosexuality, and then uh, in chapter 2 and 3 of Romans, he turns and talks to the religious people and he says, you know what, your sin of judgmentalism and your sin of hypocrisy is just as bad as the sexual immorality in the pagan world. So for those of us that are maybe conservative Bible Belt Christians that uh, may think that that's a special sin, we need to be clear that in Romans, it's, it's pretty clear that all sin is sin. And, and that Paul describes certain sins as being characteristic of pagan society, but then he turns to the religious conservative people and he says, but you're sinners too. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And that's where he leads up to the famous verse in Romans 3 that says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So as Christian people, we don't believe that there are special kinds of sin or special categories. But I would also push back and say there's not certain lifestyles that you get to declare as your identity and say you can't talk about this and it's wrong to ever say that you disagree with this. Because you could do that with anything, right? And I I think that happens often with homosexuality. As if that's one thing that you can make your identity. Uh, but we don't apply that same thing to, to other kinds of sins or other kinds of struggles in life. And I want to encourage you again that no matter what you struggle with, the choice is between trusting in God. Is he good? Or should I trust in this other thing, this desire, this habit, whatever it may be to save me? What, what are you trusting in? That's the, that's the bottom line. And I think a lot of this confusion, again, has led to this concept that moms can just do it on their own but they don't need other people. They don't need others. We can do it on our own. This concept of oneness. And I really want to encourage you moms to to reach out for help, to to get involved. And I see that going on in your lives. And like I said, I want to thank my mom for for doing that in the way that she raised me and encouraging other people to be involved in our life. The first thing to recognize is that you need your heavenly father. You need a God to be involved in your life. But the second thing to recognize then is you need other people involved in your life as well. We need community. Well, I want to wrap up by just looking at the last verse of chapter 2. Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This word workmanship is a great word in the Greek. It's poema. And so, you know, we get our word poem. Paul's uh, in the ancient Greek, it wasn't limited just to writing or just to verse, what we would think of as a poem today. It had a, a broader sense, as it's translated here, of, of workmanship, of craftsmanship, kind of any artistic endeavor. But it's really amazing as we think about the beauty of, of how God made mothers and all the beauty that mothers bring into our life. Again, we're rooted in the good news here, that because of God's grace to us, We are all God's workmanship. We are all a work of art that he has designed. He's given us good works ahead of time to do. He's prepared these beforehand, and because of his grace that he's shown us through Jesus, he's turning us loose to be his art project, to make the world a more beautiful place. And so as we thank our moms today, let's remember to thank God for thinking up the idea of moms, creating them as his workmanship, and using them to help us to be his workmanship. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you love us and you gave us grace through moms, through the world that you made, and most of all through your son, Jesus. We thank you that you loved us even when we weren't lovable. Thank you for giving us your grace and pray that you'd set us free to love you and to love others well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.